This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. Lashley stalking Riddle and Orton on the outside of the ring. This is the consequence of having a furious Bobby Lashley. He He doesn't quit. Riddle is out cold. Oh, guys, guys, guys. It's happening. And here comes Big E. Mr. Money in the Bank is cashing it in right now. But he's Lashley muscling up his challenger. Big E showing up his muscle. Are we going to see it? Big E. Could it be over Lego? Will we have a new champion? We do. Oh, my gosh. Here is your Goosebumps just thinking about the moment I go out, the music hits, and that crowd, even though they've seen me a dozen times tonight, uh, man, like to have people, your peers, to have fans, people back and the and these two jackasses, so <laughs> to have everyone in their support, uh, it's, it's uh, it means the world to me, so I'm appreciative. And welcome, everyone, to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 103.7 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. And it's a new day. Yes, it is for the WWE because that E is for Big E, the new WWE champion. You heard it in the intro. Oh, my God. That was so damn cool. And I I was going to take the podcast on Monday. Had some thoughts to put together. Then, thank God, I chose not to. Immediately after seeing Big E, he tweeted it out, which... I'll get to in a few minutes, but I want to get to just the whole thought of Big E as your new WWE champion. Because he cashed in the money in the bank after he said he was going to on Twitter hours before the show started, and he is your new WWE champion. He did it with incredible ease. It was like in the last few minutes of the show. It was kind of weird they went to commercial break in between, but it gave you that sense, and it's something I've heard talked about a lot especially when you go back to CM Punk in Chicago, his return to pro wrestling at AEW Rampage, the first dance. It's the 1% of doubt that makes wrestling great. Because you know it's all predetermined, but if you know a 99% chance this is going to happen, but you have that doubt that's 1% saying, hey, he might not win. That's what's going to hook you in and watch a show. And this was a prime example of them doing just that. You think about it. Big E cashing in on either Randy Orton or Bobby Lashley. It's a head scratcher. Just to think about the fact that he actually pulled it off and did the right thing. Actually had an angle where after the match, Bobby Lashley inadvertently hurt himself and Big E was able to capitalize. The second he saw that, because who's to say if 
Bobby Lashley didn't hurt his knee in storyline because it didn't look like it was like legit. Could be, I don't know. That would suck for Saudi Arabia because they'd be without a match on the card. That makes me fear that we're probably we'd probably get Big E versus Goldberg, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But you think about it. Big E, a guy who has been on the main roster for about nine years. He's your new WWE champion. A guy who has worked his ass off to get better is a fantastic moment. Especially when you think about the last year. He has grown so much because he to start off the last calendar year, going back to I'm gonna just start off on last October. He was a great tag team wrestler. He's was allowed to shine a little bit as a singles competitor. And then you have the draft happen. Kofi and Xavier Woods, they both get drafted to Raw. So the New Day is split up, but they're still together as friends. But Big E's got to go it alone on the blue brand. And he establishes himself as one of the top stars on SmackDown. He had some great booking over the last year. That was outstanding. The buildup towards him the chase for him to win the Intercontinental title was the exact right thing, the exact right time to do it on Christmas Day. The story that was being told in that match was fantastic. And then he kind of has a really solid reign with the Intercontinental title. Yes, he lost it to Apollo. Yes, it was weird seeing him in the Nigerian drum fight. We're not really going to talk about that that much. But overall, the last year, it's been building towards Biggie getting a huge opportunity, pun intended there. And he gets that. And it's all culminated with a phenomenal moment for one of WWE's best homegrown talents and personalities in my mind, because he's, I mean, we can talk about Roman Reigns without doubt, probably one of the best homegrown talents outside of John Cena that we've ever seen. But Biggie, I think in a different way, because I think Biggie is that one that can be goofy, serious, and absolutely like a powerful monster. And he ties the New Day together because if it was just, in my mind, Kofi and Xavier Woods, they might not have gotten over nearly as much. I think Big E, he can be over the top, and that makes the group just so much better. At him, because I don't think if you just had anybody else in that role as the, oh, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work in my mind. So I think having him have this opportunity is amazing. And think about it. Nine years ago, about nine years ago, around this time, he debuted as the heavy for Dolph Ziggler. Think about that. That's really cool. And then before that, he was in FCW. He was the he was the second ever NXT champion after beating Seth Rollins, who at the, that time was probably one of the hottest wrestlers on the WWE's roster at that point. He had just debuted as, as the Shield on the main roster at Survivor Series, and a month later, he's in a big-name six-man tag main event for TLC. You have that going on, and now you see him be WWE champion about nine years later. Now, of course, there are those that are saying, you know, Biggie only won because the WWE reacted to AW beating them in the key demos. Well, if that's the case, that's what they should have done. That's what you want. Is It's going to be something that's going to get WWE after almost 20 years, over 20 years, I would say, since having viable competition. That was the wake-up call. Hey, you know, wake up. Here's this thing that's happening. You need to get at it because you know there's go- there's huge things at stake here. Because from reports, nothing official, 
Fox and NBC Universal, to a certain extent, are pissed at them. And that's justifiable because the product they've been putting out over the last few years has been relatively crap. And I think the fact that they are starting to have this moment where, hey, you know, we haven't been down in a sense of losing out on key demographics, but it's enough to wake Vince McMahon up and say, hey, I am ready to fight again because now somebody has answered the call, and that is AEW. Impact Wrestling could never touch the WWE in their ratings. Even whenever they moved over to Monday nights, they could not even sniff the ratings WWE got. Now, mind you, it's WrestleMania season when they did that, which was the first mistake they made. Second mistake was actually doing it in the first place because the second that came out, even though Vince McMahon probably has never seen TNA as a direct competition, TNA was counteracted and counterprogrammed by Bret Hart's return for the first time since 1997, which overall was a kind of a eh show, but you had that moment with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and then the ending of the show with Bret Hart and Vince McMahon. The Monday Night Wars were in full swing, and I think WWE stamped that out real quick-like. Is TNA just had too many things that stumbled out of the gate to really prove themselves to be even close to a number two that we saw with WCW. Same thing with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was never going to be able to compete with the WWE because they were always more that DIY and their kind of reach in terms of television was so low. They were an HD net, which you can only get at the time. You could only get on satellite. Now they're syndicated nationwide, but Nobody's really watching because you'll see it just pop up from time to time on different channels that you probably never really watch in the first place. Now, mind you, you should be watching Stadium for all our great fine local programming, but Ring of Honor because they're owned by Sinclair. You can actually check them out on Stadium if you're in the Acadiana area over the air on 32.3. And if you have LUS Fiber, you can check them out on 133 on LUS Fiber. Just a cheap plug right there. But it's just a huge step in the right direction for WWE. It's motivation to get this franchise and this company back up in the ratings. Now, it wasn't necessarily a one-night like cure-all thing. 1.67 million people tuned in on average over three hours. You did a .43 in the 18-49. to 49. That is the key demo. And you're up against the opening Monday Night Football game. And Monday Night Football was spoilers on about 50 different channels, including ABC, ESPN, and the Manning broadcast on ESPN2, which, by the way, was really cool. And I had the fact that you were kind of put up against it with the fact that this game actually got a lot better after the first half. Because the first half of that game was an absolute mess, and everybody was dunking on the Raiders and how bad they were. And I know this is more of a sports take, but, you know, it's sports entertainment going to be referenced because I think that probably played a huge role in the fact that they rallied. Because if you wind up having that, let's say, there's a certain Raw that you can go back to. It's a Monday Night Raw when the, they were at the Cage Dome in 2014. Whenever they were building up towards Cena Lesnar, the rematch after Brock Lesnar squashed his ass at SummerSlam, where they had a brawl. And they timed the brawl out perfectly to be during the halftime of Monday Night Football. I think if you booked it, to where Bobby Lashley and Randy Orton started just before halftime, you'd get people to be hooked just to stick around a little bit longer. And then at halftime, some at one point during halftime, you could work it to where Biggie cashes in. That way you have a hook. 
And let's say if you want to go do something a little bit different, have Bobby Lashley invoke his rematch clause immediately. At, and as the main event later that night, give him some time to heal up. And you could wind up having that be a rematch. And Big E wins again at the end of the show of the, of the game. It, that way, it, you give people a hook. You give people a hook to tune in. And that opening segment was great. But I think it's maintaining it. That's the biggest problem. He's from what I saw the quarterlies. It was like a 1.8 for that last quarter hour. That's huge for WWE. And I think that was a big reason why they took that break when they did. Because you would have had like six, seven minutes of what do we do now? Is it just going to be the six, seven minutes of celebration? You can't necessarily do that for an entire 10 minutes. It's why they, especially now, where you don't have the overrun like you used to back in, I mean, even 10 years ago, you still had the overrun. But since they've gone to three hours, they haven't needed the overrun. And I think to a certain extent, companies aren't allowing them to do that, namely USA. USA does allow it for NXT, but it's a two-hour show. You're already giving up enough airspace for the WWE. You don't need to have another like five, 10 minutes or even 20 minutes in some cases for a program like Monday Night Raw. At least not anymore because three hours I think is more than enough and we need to get to Chris Lino's best marathons or whatever else NBC Universal is trotting out right now. But Vince McMahon is really showing he's wanting to take risks again and he's going to and he keeps doing this. He keeps making these big waves where he has these big moments. I'm not saying every week you need to see a title change chance. No. But I think if you start building more stories, you see more stuff going down, I think those numbers start bumping up and we see the whole world of pro wrestling rise because competition breeds success. It's an old cliche, but it's the truth. And I'll go ahead and end this with a quick quote from Nancy Piercy on competition, saying that competition is always a good thing. It forces us to do our best a monopoly renders people complacent and satisfied with mediocrity. Remember, 20 years ago, we had WCW die out and ECW die out in a matter of months. All you had in the pro wrestling world that was on national television was WWE. On national television with a big stick in the sense of being able to see it worldwide and nationwide on TNN at the time. Before that, it was USA. A few years after that, it was USA. It took almost 18 years for a company to come along that could have put the fear of God into Vince's heart and the WWE's heart in turn. And AEW is here to stay. WWE, what they saw on Wednesday night, the ratings from that show, they took notice and they're going to hopefully start fixing things a lot like they did back in the day in 1997 because 1997 was the real turning point. It didn't happen immediately because the old saying is Rome wasn't built in a day. The Attitude Era wasn't built in a single day. It was built over the course of several months and a year and a half of build, and then you were able to kind of really start reaping the benefits. It's going to take a while, and people who see who just ratings watch and see 1.67 and say that's a complete loss – you got to think about all the other mitigating factors around that and say, hey, we got to see a phenomenal show from start to finish. At the end of the day, that's all we as wrestling fans can ask for. And AEW is the first ever real competition they've had in 20 years. That This was that, oh, hey, they are competition. We are going to have to try and fight them and beat them at their own game because it's an uphill climb if we're WWE and we can't get to that key 18 to 49 or even 18 to 34 demo.
Now we're going to get to the stuff involving what I liked and what I hated in pro wrestling this week. And this is more what I liked about an announcement that came out last night or yeah, right before raw impact wrestling made a live announcement or should I say Mickey James? I give got to give her credit for putting this together once again, announcing knockouts, knockdown and all women's show that's been coming up next month. And first off, it's amazing. They're doing this and it's another all women's show. It's cool to see again because Empower had a really great show from all reports. I still need to watch it, but I've heard nothing but great things. So I'm willing to take that and say, this is a going to be really cool. And the fact you have an influx of new talent over the last year and you're getting more that are coming. Case in point, Mercedes Martinez got announced for the show. You have all those being able to compete on another all women's show. It's sticking it to the WWE yet again after they really shot down the idea immediately of Evolution 2, which I would have titled personally Evolution 2 Electric Boogaloo. But one thing I didn't get into in last week's podcast, and I regret not touching on it, but I wanted it to be more about what happened at All Out. I didn't want to spend too much time on a bunch of other topics, especially something that was so depressing. And that was the passing of Daphne former knockout and WCW superstar. It sucked to see this and it hurt a lot for me because I was like watching dynamite and then I'd suddenly start like reading stuff on Twitter or on discord and they would be talking about Daphne. I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden I flip over to her Instagram live and I'm still just like, what? It's like the last time you saw her was in the worst state imaginable. Her mental health is all over the place. She had what appeared to be a gun on her uh, sitting on her lap. And you could kind of see it from time to time on the Instagram live, which first of all was like disturbing to see that actually be a thing. And it hurt to see her in so much pain. It hurt even more. It made me sad seeing the news the next day that she had passed away. I'd never met her before, but knowing the fact that she's getting honored at knockouts, knockdown with a, Daphne Memorial Monsters Ball Match was the right thing to do. That was freaking awesome by the Impact Wrestling people, and especially Mickey James. Again, never met Daphne, never had any interactions in IRL with Daphne, but I, I tweeted at her a few times, and she seemed like a really sweet person, especially with certain people that she constantly reached out to, one of them being Matt Fowler, and shout out to him. Because he would consistently bring up the little hats back in the day. If you remember IGN used to have the wrestling wrap-up, that was something I read every single like Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it would drop. I'd immediately read it as soon as I got home from work or school or whatever. Because I was in college at the time, and I was working pretty much, not quite 40 hours full-time, but I'd say pretty damn close. Because I'd map out my schedule back in the day to be only going to school three days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'd be free all day. I'd work nine-hour days, and then I'd work that same kind of thing on the weekends. Because guess what? I want to make money. I'm paying my way through college. I need some dinero. That's what we got. And it just made me, like, hearing about Daphne passing away, it kind of reminded me, hey, like, go check out these old wrestling wrap-ups and hear the, uh, see little hat and pop for a second because that's exactly what I think about when I think of Daphne. That and her fantastic ability to just be entertaining. She was so cool. Just see, it was because it was something different 
and it worked. It was a damn shame we never got her in WWE. I can I actually pulled up some archives from old Twitter's tweets, and I actually said in 2014 that she should have been Sister Abigail. She should have managed the Wyatts or the Ascension, because I think that would have been a great way to put introduce her to that world. But lo and behold, because of a lot of injuries and a lot of concussions, she had to hang it up a little bit earlier. Then you have something I hate, but it comes to the caveat. I don't hate that they repackaged Karrion Cross. I hate the fact they repackaged him with his NXT persona after they repackaged him into a gimp the last few weeks. Like, if you have an idea with Karrion Cross, like, come up with the idea before you get him on TV in one way and then have to change it three weeks later to something you've already done on NXT. It makes me wonder if creative's actually creative. It reminds me of the Jim Cornette story where he's talking to Johnny Ace about the fact that the Basham brothers, they came up to OVW and they had long hair, but then all of a sudden they come back from main roster and they're bald. Like how can you not like imagine a person being bald and then you can kind of go about it rather than actually go ahead and do it and ruin a potential character like the Bashams. And mind you, they did kind of ruin him. And speaking of gimps, that's kind of what they were after a little while. But that was something I can kind of say I agree with Jim Cornette to a certain extent. It's like, what's going on with this so-called creative to where they can't come up with something and make it consistent and have a clear direction from the start, what their character is going to be like, what's their like motivation, what's all this stuff? Because when you think about it, I haven't been in any creative writing classes in a long time, but I know for a fact that in a book, you know where the story is going to go before you write the final words. You know, like let's say I'm J.R.R. Tolkien. I know they're going to drop the ring in the fire in the volcano. Spoilers. Yeah. I watched the movies, read the books. That's what happens. I know what's going on in the story. I know what's going to happen before the book even finishes, or I know what's going to happen in the movie before it finishes. And I have an idea and I have it in game in mind. And I keep bringing up Lord of the Rings and movies and TV because I think that speaks to something that I think WWE fails to realize. And the creative people fail to realize is that you can't expect people to be invested in a character if you change it partway through. Now, I mean, if you explain a reason why, like, for instance, Shorty G, which was a dumb gimmick, but they at least explained why they wound up renaming his character. But Karrion Cross changing his character back into this after a few weeks of him just being a guy that's beating the crap out of everybody and kind of looks like a gimp when he comes out to the ring. It was the exact same thing we saw when he debuted. And Karen Cross got repackaged, and they executed it the wrong way. At least it's the way I think about it. Another thing that I loved in pro wrestling, though, MJF. He is the promo god. And he proved that again after his loss to Chris Jericho at All Out on Dynamite last week. And it was really good, and it turned it into a storyline that's probably going to put over huge Brian Pillman. I don't necessarily think he'll win because you need to put MJF back on track because I would not be surprised if he wins the title after Hangman does. I talked about it last year, like at the end or at the beginning of this year when I reviewed 2020, and I said, I think Adam Page is your next AW champion. I wouldn't be surprised if MJF takes it away from him. And then you can build to a chase and make Paige potentially a two-time champion. You can have a 
big storyline between those two last four or five months because and then the fact that you have not seen MGF too often lose. So you've been protecting him a lot. Why not kind of start keep rebuilding him? If this is the perfect step in the right, right direction. He had a really good promo. Yes, it was very basic and just easy heel heat talking crap about Linda Pillman and Brian Pillman's sister, or Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister. And they were great and savage. It was so much fun. Then the cheap heat towards Cincinnati that includes some skyline chili slander, which I hope people from Cincinnati are listening. And tweet at me at Clint Domain at Cajun Strong Pot on the Twitter. Why is Skyline Chili considered so great? I've never had it before, but I would like to hear people who have had it and give me an idea. And I'm sure it's great, but I've yet to try it. So if I ever travel to Cincy, I'll gladly have some just to do it because your boy loves some chili. Then I got to love most food like that anyways, but that's a different conversation. Then they had a line about methany, which wasn't all, I didn't like all that much, but again, made sense. In the, telling the story, and Brian Pillman just wanted to kick his ass. And then all of a sudden, Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister started having contractions, according to reports, and she actually since has had the child. But during the promo, she started having contractions, which is hysterical to me, because even the baby, even the baby wants to kick, kick MGF's ass, and I don't think any of us would have complained, not one bit. And one last thing before we kind of get out of here on this week's pod, what I hated was no Kaze Ninare. Why are you going to tease us with undoubtedly one of the greatest theme songs in wrestling history right now? And you go ahead and give us a watered down version of it. And you don't even hear the song actually get to the title saying Kaze Ninare. And you don't have the crowd singing it. You cut it off for a wild thing. I hope that wasn't an angle. That was just an error or you ran out of time because you had Dan Lambert cutting another promo for the 50th straight week. And it's the same thing. I love Dan Lambert. It's been entertaining, but I think it's time to kind of like cut your losses, at least from that perspective. That way you can have time to do stuff like this. Because second Kaze Ninare hits, the crowd goes nuts to butts. You got to give the people what they want. This was a step in that wrong direction. But this is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Appreciate everybody for listening in. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Make sure you write one as well. We'll shout you out on there as well. So make sure you subscribe to us today. Just search Cajun Strong Style wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Leave that five-star review and so much more. Also, follow us on our social medias. We're on Facebook and Twitter. I need to get Instagram together down the road, but we'll figure that out when we get to it. Heck, YouTube needs to be added. I got some ideas. got some content flowing through my head. And hopefully, once we get to 2022, we'll be fully loaded and ready to roll. Until next time, enjoy the wrestling. Good night.